Hey, what's going on, YouTube? Welcome back to a brand new episode of For the Love of Humankind. Uh, this is a continuation episode uh, of episode seven, uh, where we talked a lot about capitalism. And now, Robbie, Frank, and I, we're going to be talking a little bit about how uh, the two-party system has failed us and, and how we can move away from that two-party system. So I hope you enjoy. I think that's a good point because we had this conversation on New Year's Eve, right? Of the three of us are extremely different than we were eight years ago when we met. I mean, you two met nine years ago, right? And so we are not the people we were then <laughs> at all, <laughs> right? Um, and it's crazy to think of the things that we are doing now um you know and to think of the things that we wanted to do back then right and comparing it to now and i think that that's that's a completely different conversation for a different time um but yeah i i i think that if you start looking at the trajectory that individual growth takes place i don't see why that can't also lend to growth of a system or growth of whatever the hell is happening most of the time right um and so you know a lot of our conversation has has come back to how we're in in our two-party system right and historically that's where we've been um you know we've gone through what we're in like the technically the fifth or sixth party party system um in history based on just like development of the of the democratic and republican party um so do you two see a way that we move towards a multi-party system or we're just not picking two front runners front runners um from a democratic or republican party right because you look at we have people from other parties that show up on ballots do we entertain those individuals when it comes to debates? Never. Um, and I don't know that in history, I mean, probably in history, um, there has been debates or conversation that have involved multiple parties. But at the end of the day, it's always come back to Republican and Democrat. You're asking if we see a future beyond... Yeah. Democrat and Republican. And do you think, like, what do you think needs to happen for that to be realistic? Well, it's funny because um, when Hillary was first running against Trump um, and she was up against Bernie Sanders, um, and he was doing really, really well, right? Even as a Democratic Socialist, um, he was polling pretty popularly. Um, he convinced he was convinced to to step out of the race because they thought Democrats thought that he was going to take votes away from Hillary. Um, so he did. He he left the race, right? And what ended up happening? Trump still won. Yeah. Right. So what we have is this two party doom loop, and that's a term um, coined by I think his name is Lee Drutman. We're basically uh, yeah because historically we've had these two parties. Um, so you only have these two choices. And the guy even said, Lee Drummond, he, he basically predicted in 2019, he predicted, you know, if Trump loses, like, there's going to be violence. And what did we see in January? Mm -hmm. We saw uh, a domestic terrorist attack on the Capitol. So, like, clearly, um, this isn't working, you know? Like, and I don't understand why people keep just, you know, shrug things off like that um, when you can see that something isn't working. You know, they say, like, if something's, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. This is broken. Like, everything about this country is broken. It's like, why aren't we fixing it, right? Um, so how do we move past two parties? Um, it's a great question. Um, I would say by supporting, first and foremost, supporting the Democratic Socialists who are in the Democratic Party. Um, but again, that's just like a temporary reform. I know we talked about that yeah. before the difference between the difference between reform and uh, abolishing or dismantling. Um, 
but you know they have the tools in place to win elections. Um, so that's a start. Um, but ultimately, we have to start working towards you know multiple parties. Uh, I think someone there's a state in on the East Coast that does um, rank choice voting, mm. which is different than a ballot. So mm. basically, like you you can say uh, you know, there's multiple people in the ballot, you say, this is my first choice, this is my second choice, this is my third choice. Someone else says, this is my first choice, second choice, third choice. So instead of picking one or two people, you rank who you would like. Oh. And so you take like, oh, this person has the most first choices, this person has the most second choices. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's another option. Um, whether or not the politicians currently would support that, you know, who knows? So again, you basically have to start building a separate party. Um, and I would say that would have to be a working class party. Um, you start with labor unions, right? Um, and then move up from there. Um, I had another point that I was going to say. Oh, yeah, I say this all the time, or at least twice before. And, uh, I'll say it again. I'll say it the third time. Um, the people, you know, non-wealthy people, working class people like us, um, we're not outnumbered, we're out-organized. Yeah. So the only way that things are going to change is if we rally together and organize either one new party, multiple parties, something other than the two-party system we have right now. So we just need to get organized. I agree with that. And I would abolish the Electoral College. Yeah. I would literally, like, that is, that is a system, is a good example of a system that does not serve us the way that it was originally intended for. Um, and I think if you do that, if you, if you eliminate it or at least dismantle it as much as possible, uh, you open up the potential for a populist movement, mm -hmm. a movement that like, like Frank is saying, like if we, if we organize, um, because that, that's true, we are just out organized. Uh, if we were to organize over the course of time. What I believe we would see is you see a faction of people here, a group of people yeah. there, you know, whatever. And it's not just then it becomes not just Democrat and Republican. It's those two probably still, although I would love to see a, a world in America where there's no Republican Party, but it's a different story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a Democratic Party, a Republican Party, a Libertarian Party, Independent, Democratic Socialist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean. And by, but before you know it, we have six or seven primary candidates that are running and essentially trying to get the most votes. Um, I'm not saying that's a perfect system. Right. But the Electoral College is not serving us. It is not serving us. There's no reason, there's no reason why Donald Trump should have won his first election losing by millions of votes. Yeah. There's just no reason. Um, and I think there was some sort of data that like, and I'm going to get this wrong and I, I hate that, hate myself for it a little bit, but um, there's some sort of data that in the last 30 or maybe 40 years, a Republican candidate has won the populist or the popu the, um, the popular vote, sorry, once mm. mm -hmm. for president, yep. once. That every other Republican that has won has been, been because of the Electoral College, not because they've gotten the most votes. So... Yeah, a grand, a grandiose idea, but I agree with everything that Frank said, except the addition that I would have is that has to be that has to be looked at ASAP. Like we need to be reforming that. I guess I'll add a second part. Every bit of legislation that is now coming up that is trying to restrict voters needs to be done away with. Like I, I get more and more furious every time I read it. I just sent you all something today about. Mm -hmm. Uh, something getting passed in Texas. We saw the thing happen in Georgia where it, you know, it's now illegal to pass out food and water to people in line, like for no other reason except to restrict people, make it harder for them to vote. Like what on earth? What yeah. on earth? And yeah. it's because the Republican Party lost. <laughs> yeah. well, that reason, so. uh, well, there's that. And uh, like I said before, the you know, people in power aren't just going to let us take the power away from them, right? They yeah. have tools yeah. at their disposal to make sure they stay in power. And that's, that's a prime example of them using that power to, to stay in power. Yep. And it's, Absolutely. it's crazy to think about because we, <laughs> the country harps itself on 
allowing or people fulfilling their civic duty. And the civic duty is to vote. And you're not allowing people to vote, so you're taking away their civic civic duty, civic rights, all of that, right? And it's a walking contradiction, or I guess a floating contradiction, however you want to, you know, put it out there. But no, I absolutely agree. And that's what I was going to say too, Robbie, is that I think for us to get to that point, we need to get rid of the electoral, electoral college. Because at this point, we define states by red or blue. What happens if a libertarian party wins? Uh, uh, we actually don't have a color for that, so we're just not going to color it. Green. So, like, that makes sense. And, and it's crazy that that we've moved into this automatic, like, I don't even know the word that I want to use, but assumption that a, a state is going to be red or blue because of the electoral college, right? And what would happen, say, California, right, when democratic socialist is it still going to be constituted as as democratic and still going to be blue and electoral college is, is going to be split or sent to the democrats or is it going to be sent to the democratic socialist right so like i think that like you said robbie the, the electoral college system is not doing what it needs to do and um, I think that's a start. And when we get to a point where that doesn't exist, we start to see, like you both said, these factions, these parties that are go going to pop up or start existing, where you're going to see people running in, in these different parties and how they identify. But I also think we're in a, a system, too. And, and Frank, you know, I'm going to use you here as an example, but when elections took place, Right. If you live in a red state and you are, you know, blue, you already know that you're going to be outvoted. So why even vote? Right. And I think we're also in a society where people fear voting for an independent libertarian green green party because they know that their their party doesn't stand a chance and i think we we see that and we saw that in this last election right there are people that voted democrat who definitely are not democrat because they didn't want a republican to be specifically trump in the white house anymore and so i think there's a huge factor with that deterring people from wanting to vote for the party and for the things that they actually stand for and support and i think that's another issue that that we see too and so i think you know getting rid of the electoral college would completely change that mindset of people and actually give them the willingness to like support who they feel is the best person to quote unquote be be in power um but i also think that having one person in charge of an entire country is also kind of fucked up Obviously, of your checks and balances, but at the end of the day, one person. I, I hate it. <laughs> Whole different tangent, but yeah, that's that's kind of where my thought process is with with that whole two party system. <laughs> Jeff, I love it when you talk because every time you say so many things, and I'm like, and I want to respond to that, and that, <laughs> and, that. <laughs> and then by the end of it, it's a completely different tangent i'm like wait a minute <laughs> um yeah you said, you said a lot of points um but the moral of the story is that it's a trap yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap right now and uh with with the two-party system i should say mm -hmm. it's a trap and people don't feel hopeful and they don't feel motivated i would say by and large there are people that are motivated but um the common attitude i hear or see is people feeling defeated they're like well there's just no way we're gonna get out of this yeah I'm like well yeah no change happens with one person ever there's uh, not that i can tell there's no movement there's no revolution that has happened with just one person doing right. a revolution um it has to be collective it has to be yeah and i i think too like you know a lot of this 
conversation between the three of us um, started last March, right? It started with the death of George Floyd. Um, and obviously, like, we've talked about things, you know, throughout the time that we've known each other. But I think it's gotten to the most serious points of conversation when that took place, right? And throughout the last year, um, year and a half, we have seen so many deaths by police. And we, we've talked about abolishing police. And we've talked about the need to survive um, and how the system doesn't set people up for success to be able to survive, right? Um, and then we see the, the cases that have, that have taken place, right? You know, we, see, we saw the Chauvin trial, right? We got some sort of, I'm not going to say justice because we didn't get justice because George Floyd should still be here, but there was a small sliver of hope that we're going in the right direction, um, I think, with, with that accountability piece. But then we see the trial with Ahmad, right? And no murder charges. We we see hate crime, um, and I forget what the other the other one is. Um, at, Attempt at kidnapping. But yeah, and so there's no consistency with that that accountability, right? And you know, with that being said. Do you two believe, you know, we've we've come we've moved from capitalism to two-party system. Do you think that that these two pieces play a role into the decision of these cases? Does that make sense? Do you think there is factors at play with that that lend to why we aren't holding specifically police offer officers accountable for taking the lives of other individuals. Um, yes, because it's profitable. Um, and that's just a blanket answer. Um, I, I hate to pivot what you just asked. No, that's fine. But I'm going to say something that I think could be controversial that I'm still working through. Go for it. I can't believe in abolition of prisons and believe Derek Chauvin should go to prison. Absolutely. I was, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> it is a very difficult thing, like dichotomy for me to work through because he needs accountability and mm -hmm. he needs, in my opinion, some sort of reform. But I can't identify myself as somebody who believes in abolition while also upholding that exact system. Um, I think there has to be some some level of accountability and some level of deep reform within him. I just don't know what that system looks like yet. So that's something I've been wrestling with. Mm -hmm. To answer your question, and I was thinking about that as you were talking. To answer your question, yeah, I think it's connected because it's profitable. It's it's all profitable. Mm -hmm. um, from all the way from uh, people donating money to free. Derek Chauvin or, or free these people that are being held before their trial to uh, lawyer costs, to judge costs, to how much that's going to essentially cost taxpayers <laughs> um, living in those communities um, and, and everything in between. I mean, it's, it's all such a deeply woven web uh, inside of capitalism. And so to answer your question, yeah, I think I, I it has to be connected in some level. In terms of the two-party system, I think it's connected because we choose our, we choose our judges and our elected officials through that system. Um, and those elected officials may or may not make money based off of those systems. So I think mm. of something we haven't talked about, like uh, uh, big oil mm. or even guns, right? Uh, it's profitable to keep these systems in place because it means people will continue to frack and continue to buy guns. Yeah. So I, I guess in my brain, I'm having a hard time understanding whether or not it's not connected because in my, yeah. in my head it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and it's going to sound like a conspiracy, conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, 
But you know, Republicans love conspiracy theories, so this is great. <laughs> um, so when I say the ruling class, um, I'm talking about not just wealthy corporations, but also the government because they protect um, the wealth for the the wealthy corporations. Um, and the police force, in particular, has always been a tool to protect the ruling class's interests. Um, I mean, the police were founded originally to chase down runaway slaves. Yeah, that's how the police in America were founded, um, and they've evolved since then, obviously. But um, now the police are used as a tool to drive a wedge in between the ruling class, right? To ensure the racial inequality right you know you got mass incarceration yep. which is where the, the prisons profit like uh Raibu was saying so yeah that's how it's all connected the the police protect the ruling class's interests so the ruling class being wealthy corporations and the government yeah again sounds like conspiracy yeah. theory but i don't think it does no okay it's not simple and i guess like thinking looking back at my question I, I I laugh in my head because, to, to be honest, I don't think politics exist. Politics is capitalism. Like, you can't have <laughs> politics without capitalism, and you can't have capitalism without politics. Well, nothing's certain, so. <laughs> so, like, does that make sense? Because, <laughs> like, if you think about it, the the amount of <laughs> the amount of money that politicians spend just on their marketing campaigns on average right and the amount of donations people get that fund into these campaigns which then get funded back to being able to do their marketing campaign right like it's a cycle and so i don't think politics exists without capitalism and i don't think capitalism exists without politics in our current system which I think, again, comes back to the point of policing our court system. All of that is a part of politics and therefore a part of capitalism, which we've talked about. Um, and I don't know why it took me this long to like put those pieces together, but it like reminds me, I use like this, I'm using this image in my head of like, one of those like finger traps that you, you like one of your one of your fingers is capitalism and the other finger is politics and you just you can't pull them apart like they you just can't pull them apart and i think if we're to do anything in this system again you take away capitalism i think the rest of the system comes down with it Sure, yeah, it all goes back to capitalism. Um, but again, I know I sound like a broken record. Um, people in power are not going to let that happen, right? Um, right. So, like, what do you do about that? You, you try to get the reforms, the, the small victories, um, while ultimately trying to organize um, a completely different party uh, that's yeah. actually democratic um, and voted in by the people yeah. um, in an actual majority. Uh, that's, how you, that's why you abolish the uh, yeah. electoral college. So it's a daunting task. I mean, I'll admit it. And again, it's not going to happen overnight, but that's not a reason to do nothing. I love that man so much. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'll save it for not in, in this, in this. Save, save it for part two. Save it for part two. I, I think so. So just to respond to what Frank said in, in, in agreeing with him, like, like you have to organize. Yeah. That has to be a part. It, like I am all about, I am all about it. You two will vouch for me in this. I'm all about reading. I'm all about like gaining knowledge and going to school and being challenged. But at some point you, you got to put that to work. And like that, that saying um, knowledge is power. Like I, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I think it is a part of it is, Yeah, but it's what you do with the knowledge. Like, how are you putting it? How are you, not only using it to better yourself, but better the people that are in your circle and then bettering the communities you're in. Mm. So for example, I'll put myself in, I'll put myself in that. 
if I'm reading and that's all I'm doing, then I'm going to bed and I'm sleeping eight hours. I'm not, you know, really wrestling with it and reflecting with it and self-correcting and working through it. Um, like if I'm not, if, if that's all I'm doing, then I am not doing enough. Yeah. I have to be doing that. Plus I have to do that with you all <laughs> and my, my, my other friends. Um, I think a red flag for me right now in this chapter of my life is anybody, any person that considers uh, or that I consider to be a friend, if they're not willing to have a conversation that's going to challenge them, then I don't want to spend time with them. Yeah. You both know this. <laughs> I just don't want to spend time with them. I want to be challenged and I want people to be challenged by me, but then it's the, your community. So you, are you doing it in your job? Are you doing it at your church? If you go to church, are you doing it um, with the organizations that you want to be a part of outside of work and, and yeah. church or, you know, are, are you doing that? And if you're not, then I can't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to confidently say that I'm doing enough. Enough is a subjective word, but mm. that I'm yeah. doing um, what needs to be done. And then it comes back to, I have to do it with other people. <laughs> like I have to, it has to be collective. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's to me where, it, where it, that's sort of the formula that I'm using right now is it, it starts with me. It, it extends to my circle and my circle or the people in my circle extend back to me. And then it's in the communities that I consider myself to be a part of. Yeah. I think that, that's how we start taking steps. Yeah. And I mean, I would absolutely agree. And, and that actually kind of lends to the next question that I have um, is, you know, looking at everything that's taking place in society. And we, we've been talking about it through the, the entirety of this podcast and the entirety of the last hour or so. Um, what steps what steps can we start taking now right we are three white men sitting here in a discord call on a podcast that'll be posted to youtube right like what steps <laughs> what steps can we take right and and for those that are listening like what steps can other people take because at the end of the day the three of us the other two people that that watch this podcast or listen to this podcast like the five of us, like, what are we going to do? Right? Like we talk about organizing, <laughs> uh, but what, what are five people going to do? What can we do? I, I, think there, I think there are a bevy of things, first steps you can take. Um, I think the first thing is you have, you have to do some form of reading. Like you have to, you have to, and it has to be from a diverse, uh, I would say a diverse, um, I guess, bank of sources, not just one, not just one source. Yeah. So not just Fox News. Okay, Jeff. You I don't stop watching. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry. Seriously, remember I... when I was, I was talking about dumb fuckers? Before? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so right wing. You know. You just you can't just get it from one source. I can't help you it. Can't. So, I, well, <laughs> you don't really want really to take the advice that you're asking. So. So I think that's the first thing. I think um, attending discussions and workshops and, and putting yourself in positions to be in proximity with other people that have different experiences. Uh, I think it comes back to the language that you're using. Is it inclusive language? Are you cognizant of it? Um, it's doing things like reviewing where people, like the money that you're spending to companies, what do they stand for? Mm. Mm. Right? If it's a big corporation that is against, like, Chick-fil-A is a good example. If you you love those waffle fries, that's great. It's that sauce. They're, great. they're phenomenal. It's that the sauce. sauce is great too. <laughs> they also actively don't want there to be gay people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely not trans or non-binary people. So like, am I willing to spend my money there? I have to make a conscious yeah. choice, right? Um, it's, it's also, I think, holding yourself accountable and correcting yourself and being open to people correcting you. I mean, these are like the, the first steps um, yeah. that I think people take. And then reflection, I yeah. think has to be a constant part of it. Yeah. Maybe steps, but those are the first ones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this could carry on into part two, if, you, if you'd like, because uh, now you said we've been going for like an hour now. So, um, but also, if there's only five of us trying to make a difference, then we are absolutely outnumbered. Um, yeah. So that's a problem. But uh, there's definitely more than five. Um, I think um, 
I don't know if you can call it a, a positive byproduct of the pandemic, but what the pandemic did do was highlight a lot of inequalities. Um, so I feel like a lot of people, myself included, um, were feeling very frustrated about you know seeing these inequalities and not knowing what to do about it, right? Like, yeah. like Robbie said, like uh, I don't read as much as Robbie, but I do read some things. <laughs> and um, so like I, I guess you could say I have this knowledge, but I didn't know where to put this energy, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's a, lot, a problem a lot of people have. So, what kind of kind of what Robbie was saying was like reaching out to people who are involved, um, reaching out to a political organization. Um, like I recently got involved with uh, Socialist Alternative. Um, you know, and they're definitely putting their words into action, and and that's where it matters. Um, mm. That's how we get organized: is putting our words into action. Um, and it might be small victories uh, here and there, but uh, ultimately, um, you know, the people have power, um, and we can uh, we can hit the the corporations where it hurts. Um, they count on us for our labor. They count on us for us spending our money on them. Um, they're completely dependent on us, um, so we can we can make all the difference. No, like I absolutely would echo what both of you have said, and you know, I think that the three of us have have talked about this right the three of us attended and i can't wait to say this and and here's hear people's thoughts but the three of us attended right a uh um socialist meeting right socialist meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um right last week two weeks ago um and there were a lot of valuable things right and i think and i'd love to have this conversation because I think that so many people are are uneducated that they one don't know the difference between socialism and communism, but they also think socialism is going to end the world. Mm-hmm. So, can, can you two enlighten those individuals about the difference between the two? But also, why socialism is a is a great potential next step for where we could be headed. Well, um, with socialism, I can't speak too much on communism, but from my understanding, socialism kind of falls under communism, which I know a lot of people are going to lose their minds about that because we've been told our whole lives that you know, communism, socialism is bad, right? But again, that's just the justification that capitalists use to stay in power. They want you to think that way, right? Um, but communism, from my understanding, it just, just means like a classless society, so like everyone's equal. So socialism falls under that, where the means of production, um, the drive for that is just uh, equal access to everyone. Um, whereas capitalism, the drive is profits. Um, the drive in socialism is society, right? The benefit yeah. of society. Um, that's my understanding of it. Yeah, I, I can't add too much more. I know less about communism than socialism. The way that I've heard communism described to me is, uh, in very simple terms, is everybody shares the wealth, no matter who earns it. So, for example, you will often see at some places, some establishments that where there are waitresses or waiters, um, that there is a tip jar or there's a jar where people can put money in. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day, no matter how much money is in there, everybody get supposedly everybody is supposed to get the same amount, regardless of who worked the hardest, regardless of effort, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my un understanding it's a very simple way of thinking about it. it's my understanding of the way that a communist society would work so there wouldn't be corporations that are owned by one or two or a board of people it'd be owned by the people that live in that community Mm. and decisions would be made um by the people that are in that community um but anyways i can't anything else that other than what frank said because i think he he's probably more well-versed on it than i am the one thing I will say for those people that are listening is um, you're not ready to hear what we have to say. So the first thing I need you to do is to stop fearing it. Socialism is not a bad word. Neither is communism. It's not going to end the world if you just open your mind and listen to what people have to say. 
it might you might have some big feelings about it, but you need to work through that. And if you want me to help you, just let me know. I'm happy to help you work through your feelings. I just like that is that's what it comes back to. That's why people, in my opinion, don't open their minds to things. They fear what it could potentially do, and they're like, nope can't do that we need to stay with what we have i know that it hurts you but it's not hurting me and i fear what it would do if we changed because i wouldn't have any money yeah. anymore you all would have this same amount of money as me so i think it comes back to that fear like you, you just you gotta stop like work through your fears okay it's gonna be okay don't be such a fucking pussy am i allowed to say that <laughs> oh i might bleep, i might bleep it out we'll see okay <laughs> but I, I bring that up, right? Because one, uh, the three of us have all been c called communists uh, on social media by a variety of different people. Um, and <laughs> I think of it because I think in general, people like to compare communism. One, I, th I think to Hitler, like people are like, oh, Hitler, communists, like, you're going to turn into Nazis, right? And that's not the case, right? I, I think there has been such, especially for those that are part of the older generation and in the instruction, people that, that were alive, World War II, you know, whatever, that there was a... a almost like fear-mongering around that word and around the idea of communism. So that still exists, right? And it doesn't help that... <laughs> this is a whole other topic for a different day, but it doesn't help that our government, more specifically, the Department of Education, controls the knowledge and the information that is shared, especially within public schools right and again whitewashing history uh through that and so it becomes this again back to franklin what you said those in power utilizing this fear-mongering technique to keep people in check it's almost like uh what is it 1984 that's that's the title of the book right um like big brother like it's never left and i think that that's where it gets such such a bad rep because of that like i shared a tiktok this is a completely different tangent but it's related but i shared this the tiktok with you about mlk right and how we only see black and white photos of mlk and rosa parks when color photography existed when the civil rights movement was was going on because they want people to think that it happened longer ago than what it was right and i think the same thing goes with this ideal of socialism communism anything that's not democratic and republican yeah i mean what made hitler not a communist was that he was actually a dictator like the the stuff wasn't owned by the pe his people. Right. Um, he was actually fighting against a communist though, in Joseph Stalin. Conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> I, I think that yeah, I think that, I think that again, you said a lot of things, and I'm like, shoot, where should I start? <laughs> I like to ramble. But I think it's I think you bring up some good, some good points. There's some some things. We have a historian in the room that could tell you all about that. Um, but there's some things throughout history that, in fact, most of history, at least in America, has been um, uh, put into nice little bite-sized pieces of information that is nice to hear. We abolished slavery. We were friends with the, with, with the Native Americans, and we broke we bread friends. with them. We had a turkey. Nice there was no killing, raping, and pillaging. So don't ever believe that when people tell you that. We put stuffing in our turkey and had candle candlelight dinners. There's just a lot. There's a lot, and, we're, and our general public is not necessarily taught how to discern between sources. Um, 
yeah but there were just there were, i mean i wasn't taught how to do that i had to learn how to do yeah. that um luckily i had some phenomenal professors that helped and some phenomenal people in my life that helped but uh, yeah i mean i don't know um there's just there's a lot that could be said we have a, we don't have a lot of time but I appreciate that we were able to have this conversation and I hope that the people that are watching that called us communists really take a look and really decide whether or not capitalism is actually helping them too. Because my guess is they don't make a lot of money. So really capitalism is probably hurting them. And I'll just leave it at that and not point any fingers. Okay, Frank's dad? Oh. Blocked me on Facebook, so I want you to hear me talk directly to you. Also, I'm not brainwashing your son. <laughs> the college professors did it already. <laughs> Sat him in front of a TV, strapped him to a chair. Yeah, clockwork orange. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we don't have enough time for a whole history lesson, so <laughs> save that for another time. But, um,. That's interesting that you say the little bite-sized pieces of information because um, for the people, the five people watching uh, in your free time, if you want to look at uh, these little instances throughout history since the inception of capitalism, there, there's always been resistance to the capitalism. You see that um, in certain revolutions like the Russian Revolution in 1917. Um, look, into, look into that uh, if, you, if you want. Um, so where there's power there's always going to be resistance and i would say and you say well yeah there's been resistance but capitalism has never really been dismantled since its inception i would say the time is right for that because the conditions are perfect for the people to organize you have these things where communication mm. is instant so we can organize ourselves much easier now than in 1917 even though they were technically uh pretty successful in russia in 1917 um I know that the FBI probably tuned in at that point. Like, wait, this guy's <laughs> idolizing Russia in 1917? Like, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, I would say uh, the time is definitely right for us to organize. Um, so that's my little nugget of hope, which is rare for me um, to say. But Wow. There we go. Hey, we got this. We got this. It's, gonna be, it's permanent. Um, so I, I do have, a, have one last question to kind of wrap us up here. <laughs> and I know that y'all are like, get me the Robbie's fuck out of here. To be, man. Robbie's got oh, Robbie's got breakfast to make, um, <laughs> or or pass out. I don't really know. But now that we're in, <laughs> yeah, now that we're in a uh, position where you know people are and now have five G injected into their bodies, <laughs> and <laughs> um. <laughs> but <laughs> but we're we're in this position right where where things are are hopefully beginning to beginning to change right but there are obviously still people right that are gonna sit sit down listen maybe not even listen to this but we'll we'll post something on on facebook or something along the line and we're gonna get people commenting back um saying oh but but robbie frank and jeff what whatever would we do if we didn't have a police system how would i ensure that that everything that i do is safe like how, how who would i call if i'm in danger or if somebody tries to attack me like what if you know the the democrats just ruin everything that we do like how, what whatever shall we do if we none of that exists I just want to make it known that Democrats aren't even great either. <laughs> right. So, like, I'm talking about Republicans being uh, terrible, and they are, but Democrats aren't that much better. The um, better of two options. Retort, yeah, it's literally a lesser of two evils in most cases. Um, but my response to you is, you don't actually. My response to you is going to be, you don't actually care about the answer you're asking me rhetorically. Hmm. You don't care about what the actual, what the possibilities are. You're just asking me to try and get a response. Uh, that is actually rhetorical. You're not going to listen to me. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend my time trying to convince you. When you're actually ready, when you're actually ready to open it up, open up your brain and your heart, then I'll start talking to you. 
because mm. there are so many resources. There are so many. Mm. Just like Frank said, we have we have phones, we have tiny computers, literally in our pockets, everywhere we go, that we can use. We just have to know what to look for. And I got some good Google key- keyword searches for you, and you can see for yourself. That's my response. Mm. Yeah, but I get all my news on Facebook. So, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Truly, you are not being you are not being given the opportunity clearly by yourself to um, to actually learn. It doesn't seem like you actually want to learn it. You just want to keep getting your same news, and I, I, that must suck. Really, being vacant and un, un, uninteresting. Mm. That's what I would say. Talking to me? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, are we talking about the police again? <laughs> yeah, what would you do? What do you? How do you respond? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my. I mean, you already called my, called out my dad, so I guess I'll keep talking about him. Uh, prime, because it's a prime example. He, you know, he's constantly sending me videos of uh, crimes that have happened, and like this is why we need police. And then, uh, well, like Robbie said, like the police are reactionary for the most part. Like if you're call, if you're in danger of like from an intruder or whatever, and you have to call the police. Chances are, by the time they get there, like the crime has already been committed, mm. right? So, what's the point? Why are we paying these people? Um, and he said, "Well, you know, if we abolish the police, then you know, gangs are going to run wild." Um, and my response to that is, "Well, the police is a gang, yeah, at this point, um, and they are running wild. Yeah, they are running wild, <laughs> uh, killing people all willy nilly." Um, so, like I said before, um, it's broken. It's not working right now. So. We have to change it. Um, what's it going to look like after? I don't know. But again, I know right now it's not working. So that's my response to that. Yeah, I think you two nailed it. Um, you know, I, I think of the comments and the amount of comments that we've had and the conversations that we, we have held with other people um, and the amount of my family that probably hates Robbie. Um, and, you know, likewise, the hate the three of us, especially when we're together, um, because I think that the three of us are a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, we are part of what is going to move the society forward. And I'm confident in saying that, you know, a lot of the people that are making these decisions, a lot of the people that are making these comments. They, they're on their way out. They're on their way out of this life. And we, we still got, hopefully, <laughs> plenty of, of time to, to, to live, right? So why is it the people that have less time to spend making the decisions that are impacting the people that have more time to spend? It never made sense to me. Um, yeah. Like, what? <laughs> that's why I think there needs to be a cap on how old the president can be. But again whole different conversation um but i do want to thank thank both of you for for spending this time um talking about this because you know this is a a very um critical conversation that i think needs to be had um and i think that there are people that are going to watch this and it's going to fall on deaf ears we already know um but i'm hoping that for those that that understand what is taking place and and that are hoping that there will be changes they know that they have the three of us um that are that are there to support and there to have that fight with them um because at the end of the day we're the ones that are going to make the difference um not just the three of us but we are part of what's going to make the difference um and moving this society forward um at the end of the day um and so again i thank both of you for, for being a part of this. And I want to give each of you, um, you know, a moment or two to kind of share anything that you're, you're working on, promote anything that you've got going on, um, or any final thoughts. I'm not doing shit, man. <laughs> um, I've got, you mentioned the Irish Exit Everything podcast. Not a lot going on there. Um, I have less than five <laughs> listeners, to be honest. Um, you shut your mouth. What I'm doing in my personal life, uh, I try to do, try to be active in, in food activism, which you guys know. Um, 
which can be supporting sustainable agriculture, uh, but also ultimately what it, food activism is, is making sure everyone has equal access to, to healthy food. Um, so to do that, ultimately, again, it comes back to capitalism um, mm. because industrial agriculture has a surplus of not sustainable food um, that only goes to certain groups of people, uh, which typically means you know the black community um, suffers from food insecurity a lot. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what food activism is all about, um, and that's what I try to. That's one of the of the battles that I've chosen. Right, I said I mentioned the struggle is multifaceted. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I focus on is food activism. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, not a lot going on uh, in my life. How do I follow that? <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, Frank mentioned choosing battles. I've got a number of things that I'm involved in, uh, and. I think if you ask me in another six months, I'll be involved in some other things too. It just depends on how life works out. But I mm. think the things that I want to share right now, the things that I'm most, uh, what I care most about or that are most central in my life are working with uh, a group of educators. Uh, Jeff mentioned it at the very beginning, uh, but I am a part of a, a three-person education group called The Fire This Time. And basically we are, uh, focused on helping to educate and create pathways for people in a variety of, um, I would say, fields. So higher education, nonprofit, private sector, et cetera, helping them to become educated and learn how to create actual sustainable change in their communities. Mm. Uh, and so we do anything from workshops to presentations to um, seminars and so on. That's what I probably spend the most of my free time doing and working on. Um, I also, I would say, care deeply about educating other white people on their whiteness. <laughs> and um, I am of the belief that uh, white people have to be a part of the solution. Like the, all of the labor can't be on people that are already oppressed. And so particularly with white men, I think that's sort of my niche in terms of education is working with people to help them understand themselves better and help them unlearn some of the habits and attitudes that they have. So that's where that's where most of my time goes. You two are doing great work. Um, again, appreciate you two uh, spending this time on the podcast. We'll definitely have some more conversations in the future. Um, and so, you know, if if you watch this podcast and you hate the things that we talk about, go ahead and like the video anyway. Subscribe. Comment down below if you love what we're talking about and want to get in touch with um, any one of us, uh, feel free to shoot me a message and um, we can work through contact details with that. But stay tuned for uh, the next episode. Um, and then if you made it this far through the video, please like, share, subscribe and comment. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for, for spending this time with us. And... Have a great day.